0: Welcome to the Truth Exchange Podcast unique program where we have conversations about worldview all through the lens of oneism and twoism. This lens is based on Romans: 125. We've exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve creation rather than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. I'm your host Joshua Gilo,
1: And I'm your co-host, Mary Weller.
0: And we've got Dr. Jones with us today. Glad to be with you guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Thank Dr. you Dr. Jones. It's been so hard to schedule you. I feel like it's hard for us to get you to come on to our podcast, so this is an honor.
0: Well. <laughs> Today is a bit uh, more of an, an advertisement day where we are going to discuss this upcoming symposium that we have scheduled for this year. Last year, our online symposium was the state of our disunion, where we had some veteran and some rookie lineup of speakers, this year we have the same scenario with veterans and rookie speakers. The 2022 symposium, which will be in September, Stolen Identity, the Theft of the Binary and Contemporary Society. And this is how we are describing it. We're describing it like last year with a set of questions. What are your pronouns? What's your Enneagram number? How do you identify? What is a woman? These current cultural questions are a restatement of one of the oldest questions of the human race. Who am I? Today's answers carry a beguiling temptation to define ourselves by looking within, whereas the older version implies that we should look outside ourselves, asking our creator to tell us what we need to know. Whether in the church or the White House, at home or in our nation's schools, many in our culture, including Christians, are facing an identity crisis. And if we fall prey to the deceptive influences that tear us away from our ties to the maker, the creator, and savior, we wind up in a oneness world. At Truth Exchange, we're excited to present our latest symposium, Stolen Identity, the Theft of the Binary and Contemporary Society, this will remind Christians that the only place we can safely ground our identity is in God, in the binary truth of twoism, where God and the creation are distinct, and where distinction is a good thing for our, 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 for our identity. As, so as I said, we have a lineup of some veterans, and then we have some rookie speakers this year, some of the veterans like Carl Teichrib, Samuel, uh Mary Weller, Stephen Shavura, Dr. Jones, Mark Robinson. For our new lineup of speakers will be Samuel Say, Emilio Ramos, and Eowyn Stoddard.
1: I'm so excited about this lineup of speakers. I feel weird not being counted as a rookie, but (laughs) just hearing that list of speakers and knowing what they're going to be talking about, thinking about Mark Robinson's presentation last year and knowing what he's going to speak about this year, having gotten to know about Samuel Say and knowing that he's coming on board this year, reading Eowyn's work and just knowing her and knowing that she's going to come with that wealth of experience and insight. I am so excited and I'm amazed, you know, we worked together on this description as a staff team, and it seemed relevant at the time, but gosh, Joshua, hearing you read it now uh, today, it's like we reached into yesterday's headlines. It's only become more relevant, I think, since we began planning this, and I just I thank God for that. That through your work and your insight, Doctor Jones, that we're able to put something like this together that I think is going to be phenomenally important and helpful to Christians in the pews and in the community who who want to know how to talk about this stuff and how to think through this stuff. I'm really excited.
2: I think you're right. I I think we were not realizing when we came up with the subject and the title uh, exactly what we were putting our finger on. And uh, in the providence of God, I think it is the overwhelmingly important issue of our day, namely the question of identity. I thought of my book, which uh, I'll show here, of Stolen Identity, which in a way is nothing to do with the subject of our symposium in a certain sense. Though that book with that title, Stolen Identity, is actually how liberals stole or tried to steal the identity of Jesus as God's uh, son uh, teaching biblical truth uh, to a Gnostic spiritualist. Mm They tried to make Jesus into make his identity, the identity of a pagan Gnostic Mm. and, uh, it so turns out that that book tried to show that they they were wrong and that we must hold on to the biblical presentation uh, of Jesus. Now, of course, in our symposium, we will not specifically do that, but essentially that's what we will be also trying to do, mm-hmm. which is maintain an orthodox view of identity, both the identity of Christ and the identity of the human being.
1: Well, it's interesting, Peter, to hear you say that because Christ is the second Adam and uh, Adam and Eve were created in God's image. And so the flow of that, I think that that's the second book of yours I ever read. Um, I read it right after I read Cracking Da Vinci's Code, I believe. And... um, what amazed me in reading that book stolen identity was how in seeing some of the lies that even within the Christian church we we hear things within the culture about who Christ is supposedly as this great teacher or you know one of one of many and certainly that's not preached in the church but we just have that swirl around us and you broke down so many of those lies about who Christ was and through that bo- book caused me to love Jesus more mm-hmm. um and so then in loving Jesus more and then doing the work I'm doing right now where I'm looking a lot in Genesis 1 through 3 and then thinking about Christ as the second Adam, it all flows together beautifully. Um, and again, it's just amazing to me how scripture never becomes irrelevant.
2: Uh, no. and, and But as well, the subject that I sort of dealt with in that book, is just as relevant now because, yes. and I don't know whether some of our listeners know this, is that Gnosticism is the deliberate refusal of God as the creator. And therefore, people need to find out who they are without the notion of a creator. Mm. And they try to discover themselves as spiritual beings that they create themselves. Right. So in a certain sense, the kind of debate about which I was speaking without realizing that we were projecting ourselves into the future (laughs) is, is really the exact issue of today, which is that the world has more and more become Gnostic, more and more rejecting anything like the notion of a creator. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we have to invent our own explanation of who we are. And uh, obviously, we will not accept the notion that God is the creator of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so we'll make ourselves into who we think we should be. And that is a thoroughly Gnostic way of proceeding. And so we are really moving into a much more powerful period of Gnosticism, I think, than we would have imagined. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's interesting, Peter. Um, I keep thinking as you're talking about these children's books that I've been dealing with, and how so much of what is taught to these children is that when you're born, your body is just sort of this package, almost an irrelevant package. And so when you're born, the people taking care of you, they're taking care of the package and they're raising you. But it's there's a place where the child reaches a point where they can tell people who they actually are. So it's not that you are this person who has been made, but it's almost more you're evolving to a place where you can determine your identity and it really is a self-creation um so it is this whole alternative creation narrative is that some of what you're dealing with in your talk for this coming symposium
2: uh yeah i let me see i i deal in this talk with four points how has our identity been stolen that's my first point Mm -hmm. what is our identity and it's the image of god and i look there into the biblical teaching on that the third element i talk about is giving ourselves or stealing identity is idolatry I want to describe exactly what it means for people to refuse God's gift of image and creating one's own image, which is idolatry. Hmm. And then my final point, which is sort of discouraging, is that that produces ultimate cultural chaos.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: So uh, I, I sort of arrive at a very... Oh, discouraging view of the future culture. (laughs) (laughs) But it it is interesting, um, speaking of culture, as I'm writing this stuff, I, I realize that I'm going through my entire life. I'm an old man, and when I was younger, I came to the States in 1964 right and i always used to say when i came to the states i thought i would died and gone to heaven because i'd never seen a culture so christian
3: Mm -hmm.
2: christianity was absolutely everywhere on television on the radio in colleges obviously in thousands of churches all over the place and in Christian ministries. And I'd never seen anything like that. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven.
1: Did it seem genuine, Peter? Because as a 40-something, you know, we hear about these references to like the Christian past of America, almost as if it were simply a veneer. Um, but it sounds well, to me like it was. it seemed very genuine to you in very real ways.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you always have phony stuff on all whole, and sure. superficial uh, Christianity. Yeah, I, I realize that. But I, I also realized that people ran their lives without necessarily being spiritual or on some kind of biblical basis. I always remember being surprised at seeing people in the grocery stores one woman told the grocery gal that she'd given her the wrong change and she gave back some of the change she shouldn't have got back, oh, yeah. to, back to the grocery girl. And I thought to myself, I don't think I'd see that in Europe. I think people would walk away and done a good job. So people tended <laughs> to live, <laughs> tended to live, you know, According to biblical structures, obviously um, marriage was held in high esteem and uh, male and female was not questioned. Mm-hmm. There were lots of really good things about the America of the 60s. Yeah. <clears throat> but I watched how America of the 60s began to collapse. And that's what I've watched ever since. And that's why my books have tended to develop a cultural description, if you like, of our culture becoming more and more at the same time godless and Gnostic. Mm-hmm. So that today, you know, the, the and it's not just America anymore. Uh, I listen to the BBC a lot, and it has gone in the same direction. It never speaks about Christianity anymore. It used to, but right. it, BBC never does. It will present all kinds of weird things and think that they're norm and pl- present them as normative. Mm-hmm. S- so the West, I think, has become less and less based upon a biblical view of existence. That's what I've seen and now it is being based on all kinds of other things.
0: Dr. Jones, did you have a title that you have prepared for your talk or are you still just going on for the theme right now?
2: Well, I the only title I gave myself was oneism or twoism male or female. Mm. But that might need some help. So it, it you might need a biologist. <laughs> That's right. Exactly.
0: Oh boy, that was cheesy! Oh, so
1: and yet.
0: (laughs) All right, with our with along with Dr. Jones on the virtual tour for the symposium is uh, is Carl Tykrib. He's going to be his talk or his theme: global spirituality and personal identity. Now, let me say this real quick: is As we did last year, we'll be having interviews with each of our speakers to promote this symposium. So everyone's going to get a little bit of a foretaste of what's to come. So, And I've already done the the podcast with Carl, and I'm really excited for his talk. And I'm not going to say anything until that episode comes out, which will be in the next couple of weeks. But Carl, this is not his first time with us and he, he's a veteran of traveling and going to all kinds of pagan conferences like Burning Man and Pagacon. Um, Dr. Jones, do you have any, did you have any comments that you wanted to add to Carl before we move on to the next speaker? Uh, he
2: is a good scholar as well. He's, his latest book I, I read and endorsed, but I forget the name of it. Uh, do you know the name of that, his latest book? It's a big, thick book.
0: Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. I I should know that, but I do not.
1: I think Carl is one of those guys similar to you, Dr. Jones, where so much of what he was talking about, say, even 10 years ago, seemed so fringy. Like you couldn't contemplate the idea of it becoming mainstream. And yet here we are. Um, And so I'm really interested to hear his take
2: I'm amazed at all the places he goes to. Yeah. And uh, he just tells people, well, he tells them he's doing research on what the particular group is uh, focusing on. So I guess he doesn't come out right away and say, I'm a biblical scholar. Uh, (laughs) Maybe he has a way of presenting himself that uh, does not raise the hackles, but he does not hesitate. In going to all these places like Burning Man and so on,
1: it's really remarkable. And uh, Game so of
2: Gods a, a, a wonderful first-hand witness of what is going on on the spiritual level.
1: Yeah, Joshua, we lost that. What was the title?
0: Game of Gods.
1: Game of Gods. Okay.
0: That's Carl's book. And then after after Carl is Mary Weller transgenderism creator creation reality with a really long longer title than I care to to read Joshua
1: hates my title but I can't get away from it (laughs) so it's like stealing from babies uh the culture's attempt to take the image of God away from our children so um I am focusing very much on some of what we were referencing before at the beginning of this conversation, um, how educators and entertainers and publishers are all preaching this new creation narrative to our children in an attempt to kind of set the stage. You know, kids, they learn about the world by observing the real things around them. You know, mom is mom. Mom is, um, especially, you know, when you think about younger kids, watching mom as she has another baby, as she breastfeeds, as she takes care of this child, these very different roles between male and female that just come about because of the difference in our biology, the difference in the way that we were made. And I'm seeing younger and younger and younger aimed um, shows and books that are seeking to undermine, to, to not just to tell a false reality, but to re-explain the reality that children are existing in. Um, you know, I've got books that are aimed even as young as three years old, so pre-K, really seeking to undo that binary. So I want Christians to understand how this is being done and what a biblical tourist response looks like, not only to our own children and the children within our church communities as we raise them up, but that within the culture, because the culture has a sense that this is very wrong. Um, so even people who are not believers and don't have a biblical worldview, they see the truth of creation, and there's a discomfort, a an acknowledgement of the disconnect that's happening between this new theology that's come out and the reality that we live in. And it's an opportunity then to evangelize and to talk about the beauty of who we are made to be by a creator, the beauty of objective truth, and just kind of unpacking all of that. It's I understand, Peter, your sense that we're really in trouble. We're really being led to chaos by all of this. But I also have this very hopeful sense that there are opportunities to speak about truth and about the unique truth that's presented in the Bible um, that I've I've never seen before until all of this came to pass. So it really is an evangelistic opportunity. So that's the focus of my talk.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I guess what I was trying to say is it was a lot easier for me as a young person seeing How Christian people were in America, yes, to not be so concerned about things, but that radical changes have taken place, yeah, the '60s, so that I think young people today simply think that's the way things always have been, Mm -hmm. and that's not true. True, I think transgenderism has made a step quite far, where most people aren't willing to go. Yes. And at that point, you're right, Mary, that we can make something of that. Yes. Uh, That's obviously not the case with the next Supreme Court justice, but uh, I think transgenderism really pushes the, uh, the position, So far that many people are not willing to go that far.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Peter, because you're talking about a time when the Christian worldview was obvious culturally. That's right. In the 60s, Joshua and I are the product of going to high school in the 90s um, and the early 2000s, where all of a sudden Christianity and, and Biblicism, they were just irrelevant. that's just how it got treated was it's this nice thing, but it's just irrelevant. That's
3: right.
1: And so it was hard to even know how to engage or how, why to even say that it was important,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, that people understand things from a biblical perspective. And I feel like we're coming out on the other side of that now because it's pushed so far to the other side that it is relevant. Um, Mm -hmm. It is hopeful suddenly there are connections being made it's like almost like we're coming out of almost like a sense of inertia um i'm struggling for the right word for it but where it was all just kind of this amorphous uncaring and this has pushed us so far that people are realizing they have to care again and we have we have Creational gospel related answers, so it's just interesting to see how that process has gone
0: hmm yeah i am I can't help but to wonder or not wonder but i I can't help but to notice that that some of that the narrative for Christian ministers that struggle that try to be relevant are still using some of the age old tactics of of the emergent church from twenty years yes. ago yeah and and those didn't work then, and they're not going to work now. What people need is a robust understanding of the creator-creation distinction. What they need is twoism yeah. in response to oneism. Yeah. And I and I think that I, I share your optimism in that sense, Mary. That people are are looking, that are outside the church, are saying, "This is crazy. Get me off of this bus. Yeah. Give me something." So give me some hope and the church should be ready to give them. Tourism. Yeah, I was
1: talking just very quickly. I was talking to a gentleman who writes for the Christian post named Brandon show Walter recently. And he was telling me the same type of thing. He said, I have more people come to me now and say, I am a liberal. I am an atheist and I don't understand what's going on, but only you Christians are saying true things right now. And so they're suddenly considering aspects of what we have to say that they never would have otherwise and it's it's because of this it's very very interesting so. yeah
2: i'm just thinking of the incredible power of critical race theory and how all our students are being trained in universities to think in this particular woke direction yeah i have a book here that i'll show you um, that I'm almost three quarters of the way through American, American Awakening. Awakening, which uh, goes into how people has have had their minds changed to think in terms of critical uh, race theory and postmodernism, <clears throat> not believing in truth as such, yeah, uh, and. The, th- the threat, this is the, th- the threat, is the threat of equity.
1: Yes.
3: Not
2: equality, it's equity.
1: equity. Mm-hmm. But
2: the point with equity is people have to tell you what it is. And it's people in power that will tell you what equity is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't tell people we're all equal let's try and work things out. It's, it's almost a totalitarian powerful state that will uh, um, sort of apply the, their notion of equity mm-hmm. every, with which everyone has to agree. And that becomes the definition of who we are as human beings. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just worried about the power of that movement I agree with you that transgenderism is a fundamental questioning of the rightness of that position, mm-hmm. but I do see it as all-powerful in the universities and even in the schools.
1: Yeah, I just finished a book. Um, you held up yours, so I'll hold up the one that I'm, I just finished, uh, Race to the Bottom by Luke Rosiak. And in this book, he goes through the way that critical race theory, especially, um, and woke ideologies have been pushed even into elementary schools. That's right. And uh, we had all read in the office, this was a number of years ago, but there's a less and less ridiculous seeming short story by Kurt Vonnegut um called harrison bergeron and he's envisioning a culture in the future where people who are too smart uh have these loud buzzers put in their ears to interrupt their too intelligent thoughts so that to bring them down to average intelligence you know people who are very good looking have to wear clown noses so that they are not so good looking that they make the average looking feel bad people who are too strong must wear weights and
2: Sounds like equity.
1: It's, it is, right? It's, it seems that equality is making sure that everyone starts from the same starting line, and then they make of that race what they can. And equity says, no, we all have to finish at the same time, and we will slow you down. We will muck you up as much as possible to make sure that even if it's a poor ending, it's an ending that everyone shares. Um, so you're seeing it in the universities, Peter. I think you would enjoy this book by Luke Rosiak um, talking about how it's being pushed into elementary school systems and the documented proof of the damage this does to the very groups of children that they're claiming to help. It does tremendous damage to their grades and to their ability to even think rationally.
2: So I think uh, you're right that we have a hold on reality in terms of males and females and mm-hmm. transgenderism goes too far. I also think we can make a case for truth as such, mm-hmm. uh, whereas postmodernism tries to say there is no such thing as truth. Of course, the problem with that is you have to believe what the postmodernist says is true.
3: hmm
2: so if there's no such thing as truth, but that's a true statement, how can you make any true statements? And of course, that's people it. do want to make true statements. And so we're stuck with the problem of truth. And I think we have a good case to make a statement of truth based on the biblical
1: testimony. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, that I guess that segues into our next guest speaker who is going to be a rookie with us this year Samuel say who's a Canadian he's going to be dealing with the topic of intersection now tell us about him who is he Samuel is a is a is a theological student right now and he is he's good friends with Joe Boot up in uh in Ontario and he's a blogger he has a blog called slow to write and he has been a a uh, uh, I guess a voice of sanity over the past couple of years dealing with this issue of critical race theory and wokeism and, and intersectionality. And so he's been given that topic to address. And he does, he's, he's done a number of interviews on the topic, so he's, he's very well read on it and speaks very clearly on the subject. So we're delighted to have him on board with us for a first time.
1: I've actually never heard him speak, uh, but I discovered him on Twitter of all places. He just was one of the first people um, when I got onto that social media network who really stood out that every single time I ran across something that he had to say, um, it was relevant. It was biblical. It was just on point. Um, So I'm I'm thrilled that he's going to be speaking for us on intersectionality.
2: What we need to be proud of, and that's why I mentioned that he's black, I think we have two black speakers, three women, and the rest are males. But this is quite a variety of uh, kinds of speakers, and I'm proud
0: of that. We're very diverse. (laughs) And and we should just comment that we have a woman and we have a Brit – and we have a Jew on this that's podcast. True. We are.
1: We're very,
0: we're very inclusive.
1: We're very <laughs> inclusive. <laughs> well,
2: we, we have uh, uh, somebody from the UK. That's right. Erwin is in Germany and has been there for many, many years. So we do have all kinds of uh, cultural witnesses as well. The Canadian and yeah. American. So
1: we have this, Andrea.
2: That's one. The UK. Yeah. You better keep talking and tell us who the others are, Josh.
0: All right. So then we have Stephen Shavura coming back, and he'll be dealing with the modern self. There we go.
1: There we go. (laughs) (laughs) We're multinational.
0: (laughs) And then Eowyn Stoddard. Eowyn is your daughter, and she'll be tackling the issue of, of male and female, but specifically patriarchy and feminism. Yep. And then we have Andrea Williams, who is over at Christian Concern, and she'll be dealing with law and personhood. Over where? And Christian Concern is in the United Kingdom. Yes.
2: It's an important ministry in the United Kingdom that tries to keep in touch with what's happening in the UK uh, in terms of cultural changes. And these people are lawyers, and they're in touch with, Uh, People in the Parliament and the House of Lords and everything else, they're very well-connected people, and she's the founder of that movement, and she knows absolutely everybody in the United Kingdom worth knowing. And the (laughs) fact that she's going to be speaking to us about that situation, I think, is going to be absolutely wonderful, because she brings a personal testimony to the situation of a once-Christian nation uh, that is, uh, unique, it seems to me, and she needs to be heard.
1: I yes. could not agree more. Um, there is so much that is coming out from the United Kingdom about, you said that her topic was law and personhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as you see the Tavistock clinic, um, the, uh, the headlines coming out about how they've had to retract so much of what they were doing in the name of this transgender movement, so much of the damage that they did to young women um, in the name of transgender ideology. You see um, potential foster and adoptive parents who are denied parental opportunities for children because they profess a biblical Christian faith. Um I mean, there's just so much happening there. And then it seems, too, that their speech codes are much more troublesome as well than we deal with here in the United States at all. I mean, there are people who have been arrested simply for reading the word of God on public street corners because people found it offensive and and thought of it as hate speech. So to hear... Andrea speak about this is, is really right. going to be helpful.
2: Christian Concern goes to, goes to trial with them and provides lawyers to speak on their behalf. So Excellent. they're doing
0: amazing work.
1: So are they yeah. kind of like the Alliance Defending Freedom just for the UK? Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Next up is R- Mark Robinson, who spoke at our last year's symposium and he'll be dealing with education and the shaping of identity.
1: I'm so excited to hear Mark talk about this. He was yeah. so fantastic last year, and he has such a wealth of information about teaching and catechizing. I cannot wait to hear what he has to say about this topic.
0: And he comes as a, he is a teaching elder in the PCA, so he's a minister, but he also on the side is a teacher for junior for junior high and high school. And so...
1: I can't wait to talk to him. I hope I'm on the Q and A panel he's on because what he's talking about is the antidote to what I'm going to be talking about. I think in in many instances, and um, I cut you off because I'm excited. Go on.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think that I think that's right. Uh, I think, and that's a good point. Uh, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, we need to make sure that happens. That you guys are on the same the same panel. Our last speaker. But definitely not least, who is also a rookie, is Emilio Ramos, and he is a pastor in Texas. And he has a a, a YouTube uh, channel that creates apologetic content. Now, Emilio, his subject is the metaverse and personal identity. And I'm really excited about what Emilio is going to bring because I had just finished doing an interview with him for the podcast. The guy is sharp. He knows what's going on and what's around the bend. You will not want to miss that. So Dr. Jones, how did you meet Emilio? It's interesting. I had
2: no clue who he was, but I got a telephone call from a certain Emilio Ramos saying he wanted to make a video of me. And I wasn't that crazy about doing it but he insisted somehow he insisted he came out he spent two days out here he had equipment worth fifty thousand dollars with which he was filming him interviewing me I hope it's worth the money (laughs) especially from my answers anyway but (laughs) questions <laughs> were excellent. No, he's a very bright man. He's not just a technician uh, and somebody who tries to produce movies and videos. How many uh, videos did you say Joshi has on his site? Uh, almost 500. 500.
1: That's incredible.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Bob. The
2: site, the site is called Red Grace, I think.
1: Red Grace. Bob is reading a book right now called um, The Return of the God Hypothesis. And oh, yeah,
2: I've that. Stephen Mayer.
1: Yes, Stephen Mayer. So he, really? he, he talks about this idea of the multiverse, you know. And I'd really never gone much beyond thinking about the multiverse in the terms of like the cartoon Spider Man episode that, you know, we watched with our kids. Um, but it is this theory that is taking root in certain people's minds. And so he, hearing that come up in uh, Stephen Meyer's interviews about the return of the God hypothesis made me think, oh, this is possibly something that we're going to need to contend with. So I'm delighted that that's what Emilio is going to be talking about.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Stephen Meyer is much more of a philosopher actually. And, well, a scientist. Yes. he is a scientist. He's well-instructed in um, all kinds of um geological science right brilliant young man right uh, emilio is more of a theologian actually
0: yeah he actually mary i hate to d- disappoint you
1: oh you said multiverse don't take it back joshua
0: no i said metaverse oh <laughs> but, but multiverse does play into into, into metaverse Okay, but but well, but we're talking about excited. an age of com- <laughs> <laughs> we we are talking about a, an age where where people are disconnecting from reality and they're oh. logging on right and and they're having church experience, they're having uh, restaurant experience, they're having shopping experience, they're having community, yeah. all this type, of, and it's all, all connected and it's not real. Yeah. Right, you don't look. You don't like how you look. Well, get a new avatar. Yeah. yeah. So there's hope for Peter and me. We can have hair. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> look at all my uh, hair. Uh, now,
2: S- Stephen is an expert in discussing quantum physics, which most yes. people can't ever un- even understand. Now. So, I don't know whether you meant, metaverse or what did you say, Mary?
1: i thought joshua had said multiverse
2: multiverse because i think he would include that in in quantum physics
1: yes yep. yeah he does and well now Amelia's con or his context and his uh topic make a lot more sense but uh no the metaverse is a big deal i remember listening to an interview with a father who whose daughter had really been sucked into this metaverse idea And he was remonstrating with her about the need to get a job and to kind of emerge into the real world again, out, you know, after the COVID shutdowns. And she said to him, Dad, I can have any house I want online. I can look any way I want online. I can choose exactly who I want to be. Why go fight it out in the real world when I can just pay for it online? She really didn't see the value of working on her real world life. Because her online life was so much easier and made her so much happier in her mind.
2: Does um, Emilio get into transge- transgenderism?
0: He's going to touch on that because the metaverse is going to, is does really, uh, because it's all about avatars. Yeah. And if you're not happy with who you are, right, your body type, your, the, uh, whether you're a male or a female or ha- this or that, you just change it.
1: You don't even have I mean- to be human.
0: That's right. And you look down and you're wearing these goggles and this is your reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so, I mean, and this is, and this, you know, and it plays into the, in the realm of pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I meant to say something
2: else. I chose the wrong word. Transhumanism was what oh, I meant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Big time. Yep. This is the transhuman, humanistic or transhumanism movement.
1: Peter, you were just trying to make me feel better about my mistake. And that's so gentlemanly of you. Oh, no. No. <laughs>
2: It's easy to make a mistake, though. Transgenderism and transhumanism. Transhumanism, transhumanism is the yeah. goal that science, some scientists have of blending the computer to human minds mm-hmm. and to actually take over the next stage of evolution uh, that they claim has happened via the use of computer science. Right. So we will become those connected in, in our brains to computers. And so we yeah. will transition to a higher form of humanity, hence transhumanism.
1: Yeah. Another one of those things that 10 years ago seemed completely implausible, and here we are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's Emilio. Uh, very interesting fellow, um, has an interesting non-Christian past, I think was amazingly converted uh, from a very weird kind of past and uh, is just full of good ideas and thoughts. So he's gonna do a great job, Josh. Excellent. I think. Have you already in,
0: uh, in- interviewed him? I have. Yeah, I've interviewed uh, most of the speakers at this point, so I'm I'm very aware of of a good flavor of how this event is going to turn out. And this is one that our listeners, our our watchers, and our readers are not going to want to miss. It will be made available so that you can, like our last symposium, you can make use of it for a Sunday school for a Sunday school format. So. Be on the lookout for more episodes to come out soon on this symposium.
2: Yeah. Any more, any more speakers? That's it. Uh, did, did Mary, did you read Erwin's uh, article?
1: No, it's literally on my desk. I need to read it today. So that's what it's I'll be doing great, actually when we're done.
0: It's a really, really great article. The article is Bone of My Bone and Flesh of My Flesh. How the Creation of Eve's Body Foreshadows the Formation of the Church. I'm going to say this real quick, Dr. Jones, and then you could brag on your daughter a bit. But it was really wonderful reading this article that Eowyn wrote, because in it, I could hear Dr. Jones. And it's, it's a wonderful testimony of Dr. Jones' work, and it flowering in within his daughter's work. And then, of course, the way she Eowyn writes, if you've ever read Eowyn's blog, A.O. Wiggles, I think it was called. Yeah. Um. She has the tone and the wordsmithing of her mom, oh, yes. so, which Rebecca is just such a wonderful writer, as we all know. Yeah. And so it it's, it was a really fantastic piece to read. So uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. Now, all I will say is that I had no intention
2: of getting any of my children involved in what we do at Truth Exchange. But she sent me this... Uh, 19 page article a few weeks ago and i didn't know it was coming i read it and it blew me away i thought wonderful this is the way we need to think about women in terms of the biblical eschatology and the role the key role of women in our lives and so on she's just done a wonderful job and i thought we have to have this as part of our looking at the question of identity. Mm -hmm. So that was the reason why I suggested her, not because she's my daughter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were worried about that, but I can speak for the rest of the staff that all of us were on board just because we know what Eowyn's like. We know about her ministry uh, with her husband. We know about, we we just know Eowyn. Who
2: Who, by the way, is getting back home today from krakow poland
1: oh excellent
2: where he had been helping uh the folks the immigrants from the ukraine yes find places to live and so on so
1: well and they've had so much experience with refugees haven't they because of their time in germany right um already so that's marvelous
0: so we have done all the speakers We've done all the speakers, and this is this wraps up our our episode for this podcast. Um, thank you, Doctor Jones, for coming on, and Mary, of course. Yes. I don't want to say you're my sidekick because you're not.
2: <laughs> I think that those who follow this symposium will be greatly instructed by. Is it eight lectures? Nine. Nine lectures dealing with this incredibly important subject of identity in various ways and giving Christians, I think, a wide view of the question and um, I think making a case for biblical identity.
1: Yes, -hmm. Yes, the value of it, the the joy of it, truly.
2: And it is absolutely crucial that this be done now. And God in his providence caused us to think of this subject and we're preparing it now. And I do think it will be of tremendous success.
0: Nine lectures, nine pre-seminar lectures, and then we'll have two Q and A panels.